Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days? I've been pretty frustrated with getting dressed over the last few months as I've navigated body changes, and some days I quite literally have no idea what to wear. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion. When I signed up, I took a style quiz, and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my life. I've been renting clothes from Armoire for a while now, and the more I rent, the more on point the suggestions get. Plus, you send what you wear back, which is a great way to try new styles without waste. Armoire also has such a fantastic range of options. Whether you're planning an outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or maybe a family event, or just need some updated options for everyday life, you'll be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to find time for an exhausting shopping day. Right now, Didn't I Just Feed You listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash D-I-J-F-Y. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-I-J-F-Y to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At homethreads.com, Discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Homethreads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. I think of a snackable bake as a recipe that has a very short ingredient list. All of the ingredients are pantry friendly. The instructions are also short, easy to follow. You are not going to be asked to pull out any fancy equipment when you bake from my book. I never want to look at my stand mixer again, and I don't want you to either. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding kids. Hey, I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. It's been a minute since we had a guest on Didn't I Just Feed You? And we're super excited to chat with Jessie Sheehan about her new book, Snackable Bakes, and how to make baking a part of your weekly routine, even if you're short on time. Oh, and you know, like, this is my topic. Like, Megan, you love baking. It's how you <laughs> relax. It's how you wind down. I want dessert every night too, guys, but I'm like not necessarily, it's not the first thing on my list to be like, oh, let me go bake a batch of cookies tonight. So I'm super stoked for this interview. But before we get to talking to Jesse, I want to invite you to join our Didn't I Just Feed You community. Our free community is where listeners from all over the world come together to ask questions, offer advice, share favorite tips and recipes, all with direct access to both of us. Yes, we're in there answering questions all the time. 
We'd love to have you as a supporting member of our community too. And if you haven't already heard, I feel like we said it so much this summer, we added several new support options this summer, including access to our private podcast feed, new recipe access, and more. So if you haven't checked it out already, be sure to visit didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community to get all the details. Hey, and if guys, this isn't the right time to join us as a supporting member, no worries. We still love you. And you can always support Didn't I Just Feed You just by leaving a rating or a review or both. Or both. We love both. Okay. Before we get into our interview with Jesse, Stacy, you've talked about this before in other baking adjacent episodes, but give us like a quick synopsis overview of your relationship with baking. I love the results. It's not my favorite thing to do. It's just, it feels like a mess and I feel pressure to be more exacting, even though Jesse's going to talk about this. And I had a revelation about like some of the shortcuts that I take in my personal kitchen, you and Jesse validated, Yay. which makes me feel so good as a, as a home baker. It just feels like a lot. It feels like the extra thing that I never want to do, but it's funny because I won't buy pre-made frozen cookie dough. Because right. I'm like, why would I do that? Like, it's so easy to make ch- chocolate chip cookies. Like, Oliver and I will just whip something up. And then, like, we don't. Because it's always the last thing on the list, which is the first thing to go. But I really have fallen so in love and under your influence completely. <laughs> I love this idea of weeknight baking. I just think it brings food joy. It's a little something extra. And especially at my kids' ages, they always are still hungry. They always want dessert. And if I had just like fresh baked cookies, I don't know. It's kind of heartwarming for me. It's delicious for me. They would eat a whole bunch and that would be that. When there isn't something like that around, it becomes this post-dinner rummaging that like never ends. It's like frozen chocolate covered bananas. Okay. Like, okay, I'm going to have yogurt. Wait, are there any cookies? And like, it's like 40 minutes of like, looking they're looking for something more like something to yeah like something to satisfy in a way that like home baked brownies really do yeah or box brownies too you know that i'm not saying like it has to be from scratch i just mean like a nice warm either freshly baked thing or home baked thing you know so i have really worked to figure out how to work it into my schedule my life, my habits more. And I'm still like, it's still not fully there, but I want to be there. Yeah. Uh, Two things. One, am I a teenage boy? Because I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) after dinner, like, where are the sweeties? We, the night is not complete until I eat a cookie or at least like a cookie dough ball or a batch of like, not a whole batch of brownies, but there are brownies. Yes. So that's the other thing. And then I want to say that you've really helped me have a better lens towards like what is weak, weak snackable baking as Mm -hmm. Jesse puts it like weeknight ready or like what's easy on families because I'm a like I, that is what my degree is in. I'm a professional. So like it is nothing to me. Like it's nine o'clock at night and the kids need to go to bed at nine 30. Like, yes, I will actually bake cookies at that time. Like I don't find that overwhelming at all. Or like, yeah, we'll just make, I'll, I'll do like a whole baking session on the weekend and make like a loaf cake and brownies and frosting. And like, 
that feels like nothing to me. I actually think that has been a roadblock in the past to like helping families the way we like to on Didn't I Just Feed You? Because I'm just like, well, it's just easy. Just like whip it up. And you're like, well, actually, it's (laughs) not that easy (laughs) for all of us. We love that you bring that expertise. I love that you bring that expertise. And I love like one of my favorite things is your annual homemade pretzel baking. Yeah. And you do I it like, more than once a year. I would like it year, to be but... semi-annual yes. or quarterly, honestly, because <laughs> yeah. how much I love them. But yeah. And every time labor. I have this thought that I'm like, I'm going to do that. Like I'm more than capable, but like, I'm just never really going to. That's just, <laughs> and you know, I bet a lot of people feel the way I do. And that's okay. That doesn't make you any less of a home cook or home baker just because you would much rather do like a five ingredient baking thing instead, which is basically what we're going to talk about with Jesse. I'm so excited. Jesse's book, Snackable Bakes, it's one of my favorites. We were going to have her on the show anyway because we both got a copy of the book. But when I first, when mine first arrived, I hopped onto Instagram and was like, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so into this book. And she DM'd and was like, oh, like I'd love to come on the show. And we're like, yes, it's already, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, Jesse. But it's just really simple, clean, easy. It's exactly what I want baking to be. And it's also a book that Oliver loves. He's 12. He loves baking. And at this point, he's done enough baking with me that I feel like I could just hand this book to him and he can make what he wants and he can make dessert for us. So we're going to start with Jesse telling us exactly what makes a snackable bake. But I just needed to give that quick endorsement, not just for me, but from Oliver also. Okay. Well, we should introduce not just the book, but Jesse. Jesse Sheehan is a recipe developer and author of The Vintage Baker, Icebox Cakes, and the new Easy Peasy Baking book, Snackable Bakes. Her work can be found in The Washington Post, Bon Appetit, Food Network, Food 52, and Kitchen, among others. She lives in Brooklyn with her family. Okay, Jesse, we are so excited to have you on this episode to talk to us about your brand new book, Snackable Bakes. Uh, very first question out of the gate is like, we see, we seem to be seeing a rise in these sort of everyday baking books. So I would just would love to hear from you about how you explain what a snackable bake is. Like what defines a snackable bake? 100%. I am here for that question. So essentially I think of a snackable bake as a recipe that has a very short ingredient list. All of the ingredients are pantry friendly in your pantry, or I like to say like pantry friendly adjacent, but all of them are in your pantry. The instructions are also short, easy to follow. You are not going to be asked to pull out any fancy equipment when you bake from my book. Maybe if you want to make buttercream frosting, you're pulling out a stand mixer, but basically I never want to look at my stand mixer again, and I don't want you to either. (laughs) The recipes are going to 20 minutes or less to make, sometimes much less than that, like five minutes. They might bake for a while. Like, as we all know, like a loaf cake is particularly one with fruit, like my blackberry lemon yogurt loaf cake. That's going to take some time to bake. But in general, what your the actual hands-on time is brief. I hate doing dishes. I feel like there are a lot of people out there who feel that way. I feel like if there were no dishes involved in baking or cooking, I would literally do it all the time. But instead, you yes. have to clean up. Who wants to clean up? I want to develop recipes that are going to call. They're going to call for a bowl, a whisk, a spoon, 
I'm not like a I'm not like into my scale because I'm like, oh my God, everything has to be precise. I want it to be perfect. I mean, that's all well and good, but that's not my mantra. My mantra is use a scale because you will have less cleanup. The beauty of a scale is not that, oh my God, your recipe is going to be perfect. Although that is true. My thing is use a scale because you will use less, I mean, no measuring cups. I mean, that's brilliant. It is brilliant. Right, honey, who wants to get like the corn syrup out of those little crevices in your, not me, or the molasses or whatever it is. Um, so I think that kind of sums up what a snackable bake is. And then to take it a step further, I had to be the one to write this book, not only because I think of myself as the queen of easy peasy baking, but also because at least now <laughs> in my life, that is exactly how I want to bake. I am like done with project baking. I don't want to make croissant. I don't like those recipes where like you open them up and the picture is beautiful and you begin and you're like, oh, this doesn't look very long. And then you realize it goes on for four pages or that there's going to be a 12 hour rest in the middle. I like short and sweet. Yes. You're our people, Jesse. You're our people. <laughs> you're our people. And you can wear the crown. Easy peasy. Thank you, honey. Recipes. I appreciate it. Forever. I just 100% agree. I want to ask, you mentioned like not having to prep ingredients or pantry adjacent ingredients. What does pantry adjacent mean? And like, do you include, you know, having softened butter as part of the prep or where you're saving time or do you have tricks for that? So really good question. Um, I um, am very anti-softened butter. Okay. So I refuse to make recipes that call for it. The only recipes in my book that do call for it are buttercream recipes. And all of those are optional. You do not, if you are one of those peeps that loves a cake without a frosting or wants to throw a glaze on it, go Uh for it. I am very um, frosting forward. So I really do. (laughs) So I'm always going to put frosting on a cake, but that does require softened butter. But other than that, I call for oil. Um, I call for shortening or I call and and sometimes a mixture or I call for melted butter. So those are like my go-to fats so that I never have to ask anyone to soften butter. For instance, all my cookie recipes in the book either call for a little bit of oil plus melted butter. Some of them call for shortening. I know that freaks people out, but let me explain. If you put shortening in your cookie, the other thing is none of my cookies require a rest. We all know now it's like, oh my God, you have to make a cookie and then you can eat it on, you know, yes. four days. Oh, we're going to ripen the dough. Yeah. Great, I, mean, I guess, we're not for a bakery, I, but I not wanna, for me. I maybe want to ripen a tomato, but I'm not ripening <laughs> anything. So because of that, I have some tricks for one of the other things that, that, chilling or resting dough does for cookies is that it helps them keep their shape. So if you don't want your cookie to spread, you have to have a dough that isn't super liquid. So a lot of people avoid that by doing softened butter. If you make a cookie dough with a softened butter, it's going to have a little bit more structure. You make a cookie dough with melted butter, which FYI, not only is great in terms of not having to soften your butter in terms of assembly, but also is, I think, adds chewiness and gives great texture to a cookie. The problem with a melted butter cookie is you're going to need to chill that that, that sucker because it's going to be a little looser. So what I like to do is add a little bit of shortening because shortening um, will keep your cookie will keep your cookie shape, will keep, will allow your cookie to rise. Like it, it, it not to rise because it doesn't, it's not a leavener, but it, it allows your cookie to do what you want a cookie to do without having to pull out the softened butter or to chill the cookie. Yeah. Dough. And it's always soft. 
And that means that in your baked good, whether it's a loaf cake or a cookie, the cookie, the product stays soft too when you use shortening. 100%. That's totally true. You may have even been my editor when I did an oil-based baking story for a kitchen, or maybe it was Grace. I can't remember, but that's my whole thing about oil-based baking. Your, your goods will stay, will stay fresh and moist for longer. And then just to come full circle to your question... When I say adjacent, I'm not going to lie, peeps. I have a tiny lavender shortbread bites recipe in the book. And these shortbread, I mean, shortbread's always easy. I get it. But these call for melted butter. They're delicious. They're so easy. But they call for lavender. Like, obviously, most of us do not just have, like, a batch of lavender, of dried lavender sitting in <laughs> the country. But it's pretty easy to get if you have a Whole Foods, if you're okay with Amazon, which I know many people are not. But there are ways to get it. So I sort of think of that as... It may not be in your pantry, but it's not going to be a crazy hard ingredient to find. Or I have like a, a, a coconut tre leche cake. And I recommend that you use some coconut milk in there or that you use some Coco Lopez in there. Again, they're not going to be super hard to find. You should be able to find them in your grocery store. But I get it that they're probably not sitting in your pantry unless you're me. And then they are sitting in your pantry. Yes. I was going to say I have lavender. I, do you really I have do. lavender? I have Coco Lopez. <laughs> so see, we're one for one here. Yeah. We're one for one. But are there a couple of other ingredients that you think are pantry friendly that people may not automatically buy, but that are fun to just keep in your pantry for weeknight baking that just give a little something extra, maybe like a special extract other than vanilla or something along those lines? I mean, in terms of extracts, like I do have an almond cake and I like to have a little almond extract. I have a lemon icebox cake and I do think that the flavor is popped in a really nice way when you add a little bit of lemon extract to that. Again, extracts are tricky because some people feel like it's a cheat. Some people feel like, oh my God, I taste the almond extract. I'm, I'm, I'm losing my mind. I hate this so much. I'm again, I love an extract. I'm not, I don't, I think I'm like different. I feel like in those ways, like I like to use a lot of vanilla. I like to flavor things both with like orange juice or, or or lemon juice, but also an extract that's going to pop that flavor. I'm not afraid, I guess, of those little cheats, as it were. So I would say, yes, definitely some, I love peppermint extract. I have like a grasshopper whoopie pie that has a mint extract in the filling, which I love. I mean, this is probably an obvious one, but sprinkles, like you cannot go wrong with always having some rainbow sprinkles in your pantry. I think it would be Quite literally, I feel like if you have butter, sugar, flour, and some eggs, salt, and leavening, and vanilla, there are so many things that you can make from this book. Like I have a cool, a bark that's made with Ritz crackers. Yes. I had to call them like butter something crackers in the book because you're not allowed to just go up. You're just like, then I don't even want to put it in the book if I can't call it Ritz. But anyway, you're allowed to say Ritz in the head note. But something like that, like why not have some fun crackers at home? Um, some of my, um, like my icebox cakes call for graham crackers and one of them calls for like Lorna Doon shortbread mm-hmm. cookies. Like I kind of tend to have that stuff around. The problem with that stuff is then you just eat it because you're like, oh, there's a Lorna <laughs> Doon. And then you want to make your cake and you're like, where's my Lorna Doons? Oh, they're in my stomach. <laughs> So I would say in general, there are not too many recipes where I'm asking you to get something that you won't have. I will say chocolate. I mean, I think, uh-huh. and I like to have, I like to have milk, but I don't use dark that frequently. I'm not going to lie. I'm a very much a milk chocolate girl, but a semi-sweet milk, um, peanut butter. Yes. I'm like, 
I won't lie. I'm obsessed with Skippy peanut butter. I always have it at home. I have an ingredient question that is also a little bit of a digression, but I have two of the bakers I love most, whose work I love most right here in front of me. I have read that, is it butter? It's not extract, but artificial butter flavor is something mm-hmm. that bakeries will use sometimes just to use a little extra, just a little to like, again, when you kept saying using the extracts to make something pop, I was like, oh, I've always wondered and I'm very hesitant to go there because I feel like I shouldn't need something like that. But now that I have you guys here and you're talking about flavors popping, what's the verdict on artificial butter flavor for baking? I mean, for me, when I hear artificial butter, I think popcorn and then I love it. But I don't, I've actually never even, I don't even know if I've seen the product in the grocery store. Um, What I think about is people will use vegetable shortening Mm -hmm. that's butter flavored, like a Crisco, you know, blah, blah, blah. I have never purchased that. It's, I'm weird that way. Like in some ways I like cheating. Like I'll put lemon extract in a lemon icebox cake in addition to the lemon juice. But I, I mean, and I'm like, no, no hate at all, but I would never buy a pre-bought pie crust. I just wouldn't particularly because in my book, I have a melted butter pie crust. So it's like as easy as if you bought it in the grocery store. But for some reason to me, a melted butter flavored shortening feels like cheating, but I don't know why. Interesting. I kind of, I get it, but Megan, what about you? Okay. So I have, same with Jesse, I have never seen it outside of like large production commercial kitchens. I know that you can buy it on Amazon. I don't know why I know that, but King Arthur flour. Yeah. King Arthur flour. So I think it is not something like almond extract or lemon extract or peppermint where I would agree with Jesse. Like you should just have those. I don't think that that's cheating. We don't think of adding like bitters to a cocktail is cheating. It's like the little something extra that takes it from feeling home baked to feeling very professional. But and I can't think of any like particular recipe where I'm like, you know what? That recipe would be made better by a little bit of artificial butter extract. Yeah. A yellow cake is the only thing. Like when I want a really buttery homemade yellow cake, that's the only time yeah. that it's occurred to me. But okay. It's funny because I feel like I'm I'm always like a little not embarrassed or skeptical, but like I feel like I have a I have a I have a fine palate, but I don't have the most sophisticated palate. Like the woman who tested all my recipes for my book has an extraordinary palate. I needed like really great palate person along with me, who's not really great palate person. And I people are always saying that to me when I tell them about oil-based baking, and they're like, but don't you miss the flavor of butter? I mean, I don't know what's wrong with me. I do not miss it. I'm not aware that something is missing. Maybe it's because, I mean, I do make some cakes with melted butter, but maybe I, I don't know why that is, but I think I'm never, I'm never missing it, like what you're describing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not aware of even thinking like, ooh, that would be a good thing to pull out yeah. of this. And I could also make the argument that in a case where you want butter flavor, but you want all the benefits of baking with oil, that's when you're using like a little bit of melted butter along with the oil, or especially in the instance of yellow cake that you mentioned, Stacey, a little bit of buttermilk, which helps with that like buttery flavor too. I could go on a sidetrack too about artificial vanilla, because that is one of those weird things that I've done a deep dive. It's probably why I know you can get artificial butter extract on Amazon is that 
I love like real vanilla extract or vanilla bean paste, but there is a place for artificial vanilla extract in those sort of like funfetti cakes or when you want something to be as vanilla forward as like a box cake mix. And artificial vanilla extract is very cheap and it's clear. So people like it for that. So it's one that I would add to Jesse's arsenal of like, this seems like a cheat but actually can improve your baking with just like the tiniest amount of it, like the almond extract and orange extract. I would totally agree with what Megan just said about artificial vanilla. And also Christina Tozzi loves it and uses it all the time. And I worship her and I use it too. I mean, I won't lie. I have Nielsen Massey. It's what I, I buy it in bulk and I use it most of the time, but I always get like a little thrill if I have a little artificial vanilla around, whether it's the clear yes, one. I don't just know like, why. I'm, feels- I'm doing McCormick. <laughs> and I think the flavor amazing. is amazing. And I, in a funfetti cake, in a chocolate chip cookie, I might even have to go on a tangent on that when I write my next book, because I do think it's great. And and like people have said to me, like, oh, you're vanilla forward, but vanilla is so expensive. I'm like, buy McCormick. I'm not asking you to buy anything. fancy. All right. So I'm going to ditch the artificial butter and I'm going to buy some artificial (laughs) vanilla. I'm into it. I've got a plan. Hey, guys, before we keep talking about more snackable bakes, let's take a quick break to hear from this week's sponsor. Y'all, by now you know that we're huge fans of KiwiCo. And actually, it's not just us. Our kids are big fans too. And Yummy Crate, the latest KiwiCo subscription line, has only made them even more excited to tear into their monthly KiwiCo delivery. Even better than the kids being excited, Yummy Crate has gotten my daughter so excited about cooking that she's looking forward to helping prep school lunches and even help make dinner on some nights. That's amazing. And you know what, Megan? We have proof of that too. This summer on Instagram, we shared the burgers that she made with one of her recent Yummy Crates. And I say that counts as full-on dinner help. Plus, they looked delicious. They were, and the whole process was simple too. Each month, Yummy Crate delivers high-quality kitchen tools, three recipes, and two projects that teach kitchen skills and get kids cooking. Before each crate arrives, you also get a shopping list that includes alternative ingredients to accommodate different diets from vegetarian to vegan. Done and done. KiwiGo is designed to foster a love of science and cooking in kids ages 6 to 14 with recipes and activities that explore hands-on experimentation. And there it is, all really happening in your very own kitchen. And it can happen in yours too. Feed your kids curiosity this fall with hands-on kitchen experiments with Yummy Crate from KiwiCo. It's easy with no commitment. You can pause or cancel anytime. And didn't I just feed you listeners get 50% off their first month plus free shipping with the code D-I-J-F-Y at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O dot com. Promo code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You. I feel like we have to talk about, and this feels like the perfect segue because this is a place I use, will use artificial vanilla. You love, as much as Stacey and I do, a Rice Krispie treat. You, it is a thing. I feel like you're making it once a week in your kitchen. Yep. Yep. I love them so much. And I'm, I'm participating in a reproductive rights bake sale this weekend. So I'm making like a hundred of them like today and tomorrow. What are your like top three variations or like, do you have a basic one and you like to do one extra thing to it? 
Like give us a top two. So I would say my basic one is not even really in the book because in the book I have one that calls for brown butter and that's not really basic. Um, I, I felt like I could do brown butter in this book, even though it's an easy peasy baking book and I didn't want people to start screaming, you said easy peasy, this isn't. But um, you're already melting the butter. So all you're doing is melting it a little bit longer. It's really just a couple of minutes. It's not like an extra step. But my go-to is to add a little bit of sweetened condensed milk, which I know you know, Megan, because you did test my sweetened condensed milk rice yes. crispy treat for the kitchen. My that's my go-to is, and my like signature is to add a little bit of that. Megan actually, with her edits on that recipe, helped me pull it back. I used to do a half cup. Now I do a third of a cup. But I think it adds like this wonderful chewiness and this wonderful kind of nuttiness. I just think it 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 brings everything to the party in all the best ways. And they last longer and they don't get they don't you never have to worry about them being too crispy. They're always chewy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I am not, I won't lie, I'm not a big like mix-in okay. person. Like I'm not like it's Tuesday. Let's do Funfetti. Ooh, it's Wednesday. How about <laughs> I just am like a straight up, I love a Rice Krispie treat. I need to make it. And and I'm sure maybe you guys know, like, I don't even remember when it was. Maybe like last fall, there was a shortage of Rice Krispies. And I was forced to make them with like an organic oh. crispy rice. Mm -mm. Was not it's not the same. It it's not, not the same. No, it's not the same. I'm a Cocoa Krispie yeah, girl. Yeah, that's the favorite. Way. That's my yes. favorite. And I recently made them with an, a different brand of chocolate rice crisp cereal. It was a disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Okay. So we've danced around this like sort of theme a little bit. We've said like weeknight baking. We talked about easy baking. Yep. But I think there's something that bubbles up for me when I'm baking from snackable bakes. Something we've talked about for Didn't I Just Feed You Social, which is I am a big proponent of like making baking part of meal prep. And I'm in a season where I can do some meal prep on the weekend. So I wonder if you could set us up for like, what are some things that you could either do, like so some specific recipes that you feel like are great for baking on the weekend to sort of last for lunch boxes or desserts throughout the week, like one or two things. And then are yep. there things that you could do on the weekend that would set you up for even easier baking on the weeknight if you don't have time to do like a whole batch baking on a Sunday night? Totally. So, so in terms of things that I would, I, I, that I would, I mean, it's been many years since I packed the lunchbox. I'm, I'm both happy and sad to say, and, but I would say, um, things like my, I have these, I think, epically delicious brownies that i I, whenever I make a brownie, I want it to taste like a brownie from a box because that's just like my nostalgic favorite flavor. So my recipe actually calls for oil as well as melted butter, which is like what you would find in a, well, you wouldn't find the melted butter in the box, but you would find the oil. So I would say like, I would make brownies for a school lunch. I would make any of the cookies like snickerdoodles are probably the perfect cookie um, because they don't have any nuts. You know, you don't have to worry about nuts allergies. Um, but then my, I have these like, I think like epic sugar cookies that are thick and chewy. I think those are also fantastic for lunch boxes and you could put sprinkles in them. I mean, I have, uh, 
this wouldn't necessarily be for school, but it could be for after school. I have this giant um, Reese's peanut mm. butter cup in my book that you make in a tart pan. I mean, that's like my favorite candy. That's my, I've raised, if I've done anything right with my children, it's that I've raised them to love Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> So I'd like to give a round of applause. Um, but they um, that would be something that would be fun to have at home when they got home. And I love like kind of keeping that in the fridge and eating it cold, kind of perfect. Again, another kind of after school thing that would be so easy to prep on the weekends would be any of the no churn ice cream. I mean, for now, like there's a strawberry one that would be I don't even know where strawberries are still in season right now, but there's a strawberry one that's great for summer. There's an espresso ganache swirled one that may not be great for your kids, although a lot of kids love coffee ice cream. It's not like a crazy coffee flavor and they're not going to be up all night, but I love that. Um Icebox cakes too. My the first book I wrote was about icebox cakes, so those have a special place in my heart. Again, like excellent. Ma- I'm obsessed, by the way, with make ahead. Like I am the hostess who, when the people arrive to come to my house and eat something, I want to be completely done and drinking wine when they arrive. If I can avoid going yes. back in the kitchen until yes, they're gone, yes, yes. that's ideal. Like I am not running in the kitchen to to make the whipped cream for my. For my the, for my dessert, or I'm not even I'm not touching my dessert. It's been made for weeks. Yeah, frozen, pulled out. Like I'm very make ahead. That's why I love icebox cakes. You could make those a week ahead of time and just have them sitting in the fridge and be slicing pieces from them. Same with the no churn ice cream. I have a pear sour cream snacking mm. cake in the book, which is a great size. Although you could double it and make it in a nine by thirteen pan. And again, it's an easy peasy, you know, snacking cake. You, you had asked, but it has pears in it, which makes it kind of fall and you could totally use apples. You had asked Megan about, you know, any kind of prep you can do during the week. I mean, I'm not kidding when I just say, like, you know, I have to like give myself a little pat on the back. Um, the That's recipes okay. really are fast. So yeah. you're not, I mean, I could say to you, like, why don't you prep the dry ingredients and just have them wait. But I have kind of a, a way of um, assembling recipes with wet and dry ingredients that saves time traditionally in like let's say a cake the first step is take a bowl put in your flour your leavening baking soda baking powder and salt whisk set aside so as i said earlier i'm trying to avoid extra bowls Mm -hmm. and extra steps at all costs so instead i have you go to the second step of most cake recipes which is combine your wet ingredients in a big bowl i then have you add your baking soda baking powder and salt to the wet ingredients, whisk vigorously. And then I have you add your flour all at once. And again, if you're using a scale, this is brilliant. You're, there's no extra bowl. There's no extra step of whisking. People, recipes are written to have you whisk in the beginning because people are worried about incorporating your baking soda and your baking powder. If you do not incorporate it, you'll get tunnels in your baked goods. So the beauty of this way of doing it is you're adding it to the wet ingredients. You can whisk vigorously and don't have to worry about overworking the flour because it's not in there yet. Again, that's why you're whisking it with the flour in the traditional recipe so that you can add it in without having to over whisk or over fold once you add your flour. Anyway, that was a quick aside. I love this aside. I want to pause there for a second because mostly because I feel affirmed and I want to express, share that with everybody, <laughs> but also because I really want people to take that in that they can do that. When I was writing my first yeah. cookbook, Make It Easy, Megan knows, our listeners know, I'm more of a savory cook than a baker. Megan's yep. our resident baker. But of course, I had to have an easy dessert section. 
And, you know, I'm totally more than capable. I'm a professional. I've been doing this for years. I can make an easy dessert recipe that's reliable, that's delicious. You know, I'm not trying to, like you said, make croissant. Like, this is not my wheelhouse. And I kept doing research and trying to figure out, like, why aren't people doing it the way you just described? It's so much easier and faster. And when you're just making everyday baked goods, you get a great result. Like, we're not working at, you know, the top bakery right now, you know? So we're doing like I bake like this a lot, even when the recipe isn't written that way. If I'm just making like cookies for my kids or, you know, I don't know, like brownies, blondies, anything. If I use a recipe that isn't written out that way, you can adapt it to do it this way. And it really saves you time and cleanup. A hundred percent. I feel like we could like, oh, that could be the mic drop of like, you've been mixing all wrong and this is the end of the episode. But Jesse, we like to play... A wonderful and terrible game we call Kiss, Mary Kill. You might know it by another name. Okay. Uh, where we are going to... I, I actually like pulled three of the recipes that my daughter marked that she wants to make. Okay. Uh, to play with... So we're going to make you Kiss, Mary Kill three of your recipes from Snackable Bakes. Love. Okay. The cookie truffles, which is kind of like the ubiquitous, but you make it special by doing this coating on it. Um, Oreo truffle, where you're like blending those up. That is like yep. top of her list, just so you know. That Love recipe, her. the chewy fudgy brownies, which I heard you men- mention once already. Yep. And then I've been seeing you make it like on TV show appearances. I feel like it's every, like everyone else I follow on Instagram is making it the rainbow sprinkle cake. So. Yep. Kiss me okay. and kill those three. Okay, I'm killing the Oreos. Don't okay. tell your daughter. <laughs> I love it. Um, I am, and then I have rainbow sprinkler brownies. I mean, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna marry. I'm gonna marry the sprinkle cake, and then I'm gonna be really kissing a lot. The brownies. Really? I mean, that's like how we categorize the kiss thing, where it's like the thing you want to have an illicit affair with. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. I want to know why you'd marry the cake, though. Like, what about it? Is it just like reliable? Makes everyone happy? Well, maybe <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, with the cake, I'm thinking. Oh gosh, you got to have a rainbow sprinkle cake around. You're going to be with the rainbow sprinkle cake for you know forty years, however long your marriage is going to last. The brownies are more like that exciting, illicit. Oh my God, I made brownies. I'm so excited. I don't get that from my rainbow sprinkle cake. I love my rainbow sprinkle cake. It has this cream cheese glaze. It has sprinkle. I mean, it's it's fantastic and it's vegan. If you don't use the cream cheese glaze, I have a chocolate almond vegan glaze in the book that you can use. So that's, you have like a vegan thing. But for me, vegans are for marrying brownies, uh, chocolate is for kissing. Such an insight into your personality that I love so much. Right? <laughs> Jesse, thanks for joining us today. Oh my God. You guys are the best. I want to talk to you the whole time. We'll day. have to have you back sometime. Same, Jesse. Yeah. So you just have to come back. Yeah. We will. I will. I said we, the, the royal we will. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, Megan. There are a couple of quick things I want to just go over before we sign off. One thing that we didn't get to talk to Jesse about, she talked about how she likes to work ahead. I love working ahead also. But she also mentioned how these recipes and snackable bakes are so simple that you could just pull the book off the shelf at six o'clock and if dinner's super easy, whip up one of the recipes. It isn't going to take you very long. But 
you know, whether you're baking from snackable bakes or you have another favorite family recipe that you love that's super simple, in general, do you have a rule of thumb or what are the parameters around deciding whether you're going to make something, prep something ahead or make it the day of, but I'm talking about weeknight baking, like not on the weekends. Like, are you going to make snickerdoodles, scoop them out, put them in the freezer on Sunday? Or does that feel like more work than just making the snickerdoodles at five o'clock? I love this question. It's many layered and I could give many different versions of the answer. Let's specifically talk about cookies because I actually love to have cookie dough in the freezer or the fridge for a number of reasons, including that that's one of my husband's favorite snacks. So a lot of times if I'm making a batch of cookies, I will like a batch of cookie dough. Let's say it's on Sunday as an example, although I'm very prone to just like Wednesday night being like, we need cookies. I will bake off a dozen of them for like the instant satisfaction of having cookies and they don't all get eaten that night. And so that gives us a few for the next day's lunch boxes or for the next night. And then I'll scoop out the rest of the cookie dough. And this is, I think this helps also with shortening the time of like wanting cookie, wanting cookies and not feeling like you have 45 minutes to spend in the kitchen Uh baking off every batch of them too. So like bake off what you need right now and then scoop out the rest and either put them in the fridge or the freezer, depending on when you feel like you'll get to them. And then that way later in the week, you can have fresh baked cookies again, but without having to like pull out all the ingredients and do the scooping, they're ready to go. And you just like preheat the oven and bake some off. I think that's also really lovely for like guests. If you have people over for dinners, other things like loaf cakes just you talked about this like they take a long time to bake so there's not a lot of prep that you could necessarily do for that on the weekend to get it like ready for baking on a weeknight it just takes a long time so that's something i might just decide needs to be made like made to completion on a weekend to serve it on a weeknight i tried to think i was like oh we asked the question about make ahead but without needing to like or prepping things on the weekend, but without needing to like soften butter and all the things that we associate with like rule following, air quotes, rule following baking, being able to melt things or being able to melt butter or use shortening or use oil means that there isn't a lot of prep that you can do on the weekends for weeknight baking. But I did have this thought, which is some of being set up for weeknight baking or weekday baking is not having to run out to the grocery store for an ingredient last minute. So even doing like a little bit of thoughtful planning on the weekend and just making sure like, oh, okay, I have frozen raspberries or blackberries for this recipe, or like I do have coconut milk for this recipe, or I have the right, the sprinkles that I really want for this sprinkle snacking cake, um, I think could be just like the tiniest little prep that you're doing on the weekend to make sure that you have that food joy throughout the week. I love this. I love reframing the idea of what prep means. Prep doesn't always have to be actually getting halfway through a recipe. Yeah. Okay. Quick lightning round before we sign off. I said there were a okay. couple of things oh, we had we to go over. That was one. Round in a lightning round. Okay. Sprinkles. Your top three or is three too few? Do I need to make it five? No, I think three is great. Okay. Top three sprinkles that you should have socked in your pantry. Okay. 
Rainbow sprinkles. I agree with Jesse. I think that that's just like, I buy them in bulk. I like the India tree brand. You can buy like literally a five pound jar of them on Amazon. We'll link to them. Whether you go like vibrant color rainbow or the more pastel rainbow is totally your choice. Um, I think chocolate sprinkles, but I'm kind of a snob and I don't like Jimmy style. I like, I think you say it vermicelli style, which means they are made with real chocolate. So they like melt on top of cookies beautifully. You can fold them into cakes to get like chocolate flavor and they're just wonderful. And then I think this might be like unexpected and seem boring, but it's very useful. Having like sprinkling sugar or like demerara sugar is another easy to find one. It seems kind of plain and ordinary. It's not as jazzy as like edible glitter, but it's so nice to have that crunchy sugar for finishing off loaf cakes or cookies or even muffins. That's my I third. could not agree more. It's one of my favorite things in my little mini baking pantry. I recently made banana bread and forgot to sprinkle my demerara sugar on top. And literally this loaf make the same recipe each time that the boys devour they didn't even finish it two days later no and i was like what happened was the weird and oliver was like i don't know it didn't have that crunchy sugary top one ingredient made the difference that big a deal to them it's true it makes the most beautiful especially if you love like i love crumb cakes too. Like yeah. if you don't want to make a whole crumb, I mean, you're not going to get a cinnamon flavor from a dimmer or sugar, but like it just gives you that texture, that like speckled kind of crunchy and dough mix that's on top that I just love. I love that. Yes. Okay. And we'll link to favorites in the show notes for this episode, along with Jesse's book. I kind of want to hear from our listeners group about what they, what kind of weeknight baking they do. So our Didn't I Just Feed You listeners community, you can find details about it at didn't I just feed you.com backslash community. We hope that you've joined us there. If not, join for free. And if you want those bonus episodes and other goodies, join our supporting community. You can also keep in touch with us on Instagram where we are at didn't I just feed you or by signing up for a newsletter. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to didn't I just feed you wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you're already a subscriber, leave us a reading review. Those don't only bring us joy. They help other busy home cooks find us. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Getzik. I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well fed until next time. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review.